And um, we have to keep focused on the things of God uh, because it's very easy to get distracted um, and get pulled out or sucked out um, of our assignments or our purpose, our callings, but we want to make sure we stay focused. Amen? At the same time, uh, we have to uh, acknowledge what's going on in our world, in our nation. Uh, because, you know, I don't know if you realize how privileged you are to have Jesus, to know his word, to be filled with the spirit of God, to understand the blessing, to understand the covenant. You remember in in, uh, 1 Samuel 17 when David arrived on the scene there and the army was uh, set in array against the Philistines? And uh, David said, you know, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? What he was saying was, who is this non-covenant guy that all of y'all are sitting here scared of? And he realized that the covenant gave him and the people of God an advantage. Amen? And so I pray that you all, I taught this series of years ago, years ago, called Becoming Covenant-Minded. I don't know how many of y'all recall that. I'm sure Tamara would find it somewhere. Becoming covenant-minded. Tamara's the church historian. Um, because you have to be covenant-minded. The Bible says God is ever mindful of his covenant. So you don't have to be covenant-minded to always know um, the privilege we have. Amen? So you got to be covenant-minded. Thank you, Luke. I know you need to get, go next door. I, I'm sorry. I'm going to be rambling. You'll be sitting there still playing. Um, but we've got to be covenant-minded. We've got to, you know, I want us to understand how privileged we are to, under, to have the blessing, to understand favor. How many of y'all understand the favor of God? Understand, you know, the power of the word of God, the power of the name of Jesus, the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, you understand healing? Nobody? You understand healing? You understand divine supply from God? You understand uh, Joshua 1, 5, if no, man, if, uh, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life? You understand that no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life? Now, that being said, you know something that most people do not know. You know things that people, most people do not know. You know you have things. You have an understanding of things that most people do not have. And so um, you're privileged and you have to, I, I shared with the, with the prayer group this morning, I taught from Exodus chapter 2 and Acts chapter 7. And if you read Acts chapter, Exodus 2 and, Ex, and Acts chapter 7, uh, in Exodus 2 it introduce, uh, introduces us to Moses. Remember Moses? 
and Moses was used by God to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. And uh, he was uh, adopted as an Egyptian. But according to Acts 7, the Bible says that it entered into his heart, it came into his heart to go and check on his people. And so we read it back in Exodus 2 that he, even though he was an, uh, raised as an Egyptian, he understood, I'm a Hebrew. So he went back out and checked on his people and didn't like what he saw. You understand? Now here he is, he's privileged. He's trained in the best schools. You understand? He's living a life of luxury and leisure, but when he saw his people, he realized they weren't living like, like I'm living. As a matter of fact, what he saw was violence. <laughs> right? Y'all have read the story, haven't you? In Exodus 2, he saw violence. He saw an Egyptian beating on uh, a Hebrew, and so he retaliated. He didn't, just, he didn't just say, let me pray about it. He said, let me... You understand? I understand prayer, and I thank God for prayer, but he, he, he did something. And, and, and you read it back in Acts 7, it says he thought for sure his brothers would understand that God was using him. So in other words, when he did what he did, he was, he, to, in his mind, God has used me to do this. Y'all got it? Um, not long story short, he goes then the next day, and he sees uh, two uh, Hebrews beating on each other. And he didn't say, well, you know, that's all right. No. He was just as upset about the Hebrews beating on each other as he was as an Egyptian beating on a Hebrew. You got it? And then when he found out that he was, uh, everybody knew his business, he became a fugitive. And he ran off and he ended up in, uh, the, in Midian ran into Jethro's daughters, and Jethro's daughters were facing injustice. They were out there trying to feed their little, their, their flock and everything, uh, bring water, and the Bible says shepherds, these guys, ran them off. And it says Moses stood up and helped them. So when he saw injustice over there, he responded to that. You understand? <laughs> he, he, he threw some hands. I mean, you Now, uh, I'm saying that to say he could have simply stayed in the life he was in, enjoying this posh, luxurious, regal, privileged life he was enjoying, but he laid aside his own comfort for a calling. He left the palace for purpose. Are you following me? And so, again, we're very privileged to have what we have and know what we know and do what we do and know we can call on Jesus and know we can come up. But there are millions upon millions of people in this world, even in this nation, who don't have what we have, nor do they know what we know. So when they face the same difficulties, they respond differently. And you and I are not to look down on them for that. Y'all not saying that. You and I are not to bash them for that. 
Because if it weren't for the grace of God, there we'd be the same way, doing the same thing. Okay? So I want to I wanna kind of take you on a journey tonight. And um, speak to that. Okay? Genesis 27. And uh, we're in the New King James. We're going to read from verses 38 through 40. And then I'm going to switch to the, to the message translation. Okay? So Genesis 27, 38 through 40. Y'all have that? All right, it reads this way. It says, And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me. Y'all remember Esau? Esau and Jacob, they're, they're uh, Isaac's sons, right? He said, bless, bless me. Keep going, please. He said, bless me also, me also, O oh my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. All right, next verse, please. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, keep going, behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth. I'm waiting on y'all, media. And of the dew of heaven, from above, by your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother, and it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. That you shall break his yoke from your neck. From your neck. When you become restless, you're going to get him up off your neck. Let's go to the same passage, Genesis 27, 38 through 40, from the message translation. The message translation. This is again Isaac responding, or Jacob, or Esau talking to Isaac. He says, But don't you have just one blessing for me, Father? Oh, bless me, my Father. Keep going. Bless me. Esau sobbed inconsolably. Inconsolably. That means he could not be consoled. Nobody could comfort him. He realizes that he's lost something so valuable, something so important, and not just lost it like he misplaced it, it was stolen from him. Something that was rightfully his was stolen from him. Keep going. Isaac said to him in verse 39, you'll live far from earth's bounty, remote from heaven's dew. Keep going. You'll live by your sword, hand to mouth, and you'll serve your brother. In other words, you're going to have a rough life, and you're going to serve your brother who stole what belonged to you. All right? But when you can't take it anymore, you'll break loose and run free. Tonight I want to use the subject, I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. Father, Speak your word tonight. Give me boldness, accuracy, excellence. I'm presenting your word tonight. I pray, Father, that you would line my heart with the love of God. Let the peace of God rule in my heart tonight. And I pray, Father, that, that your people will receive the word with meekness those who are in attendance and those who are watching, those who may watch in the future. Let them receive, let all of us receive your word with meekness because it's able to save, convert our souls. So have your way tonight in this place. We pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. All right, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> How many of y'all feel that way right now? As I share with you on Sunday, when people get fed up, when they get rather fired up, <laughs> there's not much that they won't do. If you recall, if you've been watching or just observing the news, you, we've seen armed protesters storming the Michigan Capitol building. And we've seen unarmed protesters blocking major interstates. We've seen the lynching of an image of Kentucky's governor and also the burning of police cars and buildings. We've seen all sorts of things from all sorts of people. And it's interesting that people, depending on what your purview is, you champion one and condemn the other. Yet with all the differences, all the contrasting actions, they, they share the commonality of their source. In other words, people are fed up. <laughs> and whether that being fed up means you storm a state building with <laughs> weapons, assault rifles, hang a picture of a governor in effigy, that's lynching, or you block a highway, or you burn a police car, still coming from the same source that people say, I've had enough. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> now, protests are nothing new. Everybody say, protests are nothing new. In fact, right now, you're sitting in a protest. You understand that? You're sitting currently in a protest. This is a protestant church. Come on here. If you're anything outside of Catholic, you're in a protestant or protestant church. That's what protestant means. It came out of a protest. So protests are nothing new. Right? Y'all knew that, right? You're Protestant. If you're not Catholic, you're Protestant. If you're Baptist, you're Protestant. If you're Methodist, you're Protestant. If you AME, CME, UMC, you're Protestant. If you're Kojic, Church of God, Church of God in Christ, Church of God by faith, Church of God of prophecy, First Churches, Persons with the Blood, Holy Ghost Field, Nazarene Church, you're a Protestant church. You're, you're, a, you're a protester. Everybody say I'm a protester. I'm a protester. <laughs> so what, that's what it is. That's how it began. <laughs> it protested against the rigors of the Catholic Church. You got it? So protests are nothing new. They spring up everywhere. And anywhere people grow intolerant of injustice. And whether they manifest in peaceful or violent protests, they are all expressions of exhaustion. You ought to write that down. A protest is an expression of exhaustion. It's an expression of exhaustion. It means I, I've had enough. I can't take it anymore. A protest is an expression of exhaustion. It means I've run out of fuel. I don't have enough strength 
to deal with the injustice or the malfeasance or the mistreatment or the oppression or the robbery. That's what a protest is. When people are fed up, they revolt. And I say this, I find it very interesting that since uh, for a week, for eight days now, there's been protests happening across America. And Um, many people are, have not made a difference between protesters and rioters or looters. First of all, we've not had any riots. There have been no riots. A riot would imply two opposing forces that are going against each other. So that's, there's been no riots. There have been looters. There have been people destroying property. And I'll show you that in a minute. You can't do that. It's wrong. It's wrong. But <laughs> I'll say this at the risk of being picked on. As a president, you cannot, hope maybe he'll watch me, as a president, you cannot say we're going to shut down these protests. See, because protests are the same in the same First Amendment that we use for the church to be open. It's the same First Amendment. You can shut down looters. But you can't say, I'm going to shut down protests. And that's what he said. And you got to be careful. You know, like I keep telling people, <laughs> you know, if people listen to me, send your comments to me first. Let me go through them before you go public with them. Help me help you. Because you have to, you have to be careful that you don't, you don't, stir one side and you incite things by your words. It's, it's, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Because there's, there's no riots. There's, there's protests. And there, and praise God. I'm going to stay on track here. So what I find interesting in that, Latoya, is that our federal government championed and endorsed the violent protests in Hong Kong. In Hong Kong, they've been having violent protests for months and months and months, and our government has championed that. Yes, they're fighting for their rights. But when it's on our own shores, we got to shut it down. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. You see? 
So there's an inequity and an injustice that exists in the hearts of men. That if people don't deal with what's in their heart, you can tell me you're a Christian all you want to. We used to say it back like this growing up. And they'll know that we are Christians. Huh? By our love. Now, know we are Christians by our love, not because you can stand in front of a church and hold up a Bible. That doesn't impress me. That, that does not impress me because anybody can stand up and hold a Bible. Because <laughs> David said, this, the word I've hid in my heart, not I've, not I've done a photo shoot with. I've hid the word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I don't, I, don't, I don't care about a photo shoot. See, see, when you speak out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. So when you speak, you're revealing to me that there is some, something in your heart. You see? Now, please bear with me when I tell you these things. Because I'm not trying to stir up an anger in you. I just want you to be aware of what's going on. But you have to make sure that you don't allow anger to turn into strife. If other people want to be in strife, let them be in strife. But you don't be in strife. Because your strife will nullify your faith. Your faith works by love. And as hard as it may seem, you have to love through this. Did you hear what I said? You got to love through this. You got to love everybody. You got to love everybody, no matter how they look, what they say, what they do. You got to love everybody. You got it? Now, as I said, and this is my official statement on this, I condemn looting. I condemn property destruction. I condemn all lawless activity that undermines the message of the protest. It undermines, it, 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 it ruins the integrity of lawful protests that are trying to get a, a valid message across. And there is a valid message. There is, there is a valid issue. Like David said, is there not a cause? There is a cause. I don't care who doesn't see it, there is a cause. But lawfully done, we can be effective. There's a scripture um, we read this morning, and uh, I'm going to read this for you from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. It's in the Amplified, not the Amplified Classic. It's the New Amplified, okay? Listen to this. You can read it on the screen. It says, be angry. Be angry. I, I capitalize all caps, be. Be angry. So, you know, it's all right. Y'all don't hear me. Just, just hunch your neighbor and tell them, it's all right to be angry. There are things that don't make you angry. Let's, let's, not, let's not sit and act like 
Nothing ever gets to us. Nothing ever. Let's not act like that. Okay? Walk in love as dear children. Be imitators of God as dear children, right? Imitate God. Does God get angry? Does God get angry? So if I'm going to imitate him, I can get angry too. But does God sin? No. No, exactly. I shared that with this morning. That's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus got so angry, he went into the temple, tore that thing up. I can't take this anymore, y'all. Turn my father's house into a den of thieves. It's supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations, for all people. And what happened, they were robbing the poor. They were abusing the poor folk coming in there, and they were being unjust toward their poor. And God hates it. Jesus hated it. And he got so angry. He went in there flipping furniture over. Made a whip. Came in that beaten tail. In a, in a holy or righteous indignation. So it's all right for you and me to have a holy or righteous indignation. If God hates robbery, I hate robbery. If God hates injustice, I hate injustice. If God hates oppression, I hate oppression. And don't tell me I don't have a right to be angry. Don't tell me I don't have a right to be angry. I was thinking about Gigi. You know, y'all do these little, uh, these little uh, walks. Y'all go on these walks. Your, your phone measures everything and keeps, you know, and you can report back. I walk five miles. And I thought we ought to have one that say, you know, uh, tracker, say, till you walk a mile in my shoes. Don't tell me how to feel. Till you've been followed through a store, don't tell me how to feel. Till you've been called those people to your face, don't tell me how to feel. See, so when, pardon me if I get a little righteous indignation, a little anger. I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to sin. See, because his word I've hidden in my heart. But I might not sin. You keep trying me, I'm going to get close, but just don't. <laughs> I'm just, I'm messing, I'm, I'm joking. No, I'm not, I'm not even going to get close. I don't, I don't even want to play. I don't, I don't plan on sinning. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not about to fight nobody unless you start it. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here now. Don't get me wrong. No. But it says, be angry. Now watch this. Watch this, everybody. Look. Be angry at sin. Now it defines sin. At immorality, at injustice, at ungodly behavior. So you and I, when we see immorality happening, we should get angry about that. When we see injustice happening, now it's interesting because you have a whole slew of people in America call them out, the evangelicals who get totally angry at immorality. Get mad because people homosexual marriage. And that's fine. I agree with that. 
They get mad about abortion, and that's fine. I agree with that too. But don't leave out injustice. You can't be loud about, about Gay Pride Month and Black, Pride, Black, Black History Month. You don't say nothing. You ain't got nothing to say about Black History Month? You can't even post nothing? See, something's wrong. See, you, you angry, you have, you have, a, you have a, a twisted anger, selective anger. No, I'm going to get angry at all of it. This is sin. Yet do not sin. Do not let your anger cause you shame. Because that's what anger will do to you. It will cause you shame. Because what happens, what happens when you get angry? You lose control. And you'll end up doing something like, oh, man. I, you get out of character. Now you can't take it back. So you've got to make sure that you control the anger. And don't let the anger control you. I'm teaching better than y'all letting on here. That's, that's, that's good. That's good right there. Because so many people uh, get angry. It happens in marriages. It happens with, with uh, that, that's why children get abused. All kind of domestic violence. People get mad over a car game. Did you read Nick? Right. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you said six. <laughs> right? But it'll cause you shame, nor allow it to last until the sun goes down, which means get it right ASAP. You have to allow peace, the peace of God to rule in your heart. That word rule in the, in the read amplifier to say be the umpire. Oh my God. This isn't just this moment because this moment is going to pass and you're going you're gonna to have, you might have your individual private little moment next week. You better know how to do this. You better know how to, how to let love uh, rule, how to let love dominate, how to let peace rule in your heart. Y'all got this? Now, hallelujah. How many of y'all remember this famous man, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.? How many of y'all understand he opposed violence, violent protests? He did. He was, he, what, what made him so um, effective, we believe, was nonviolent protests. There were others, militant groups, Black Panthers and so forth who, uh, uh, Nation of Islam, under Malcolm X in those times, who they believed in a very violent uh, approach, a military approach that, that was not really effective, as effective, because what happens when you, when you have, when you use violence, you never get to sit at the table. And you have to be, to be able, if you're gonna talk to people and come to some sort of terms, you've gotta be able to sit at the table with people. And you can't do that being violent. Now listen to what I want to say. I want to read this for you. Because he also opposed a violent protest, but. Everybody say but. but. I'm going to read for you a portion of a speech he gave on 
April, 6, April 14, 1967, at Stanford University. The title of this speech was The Other America. Listen to a portion of what he said. He said, and I must say tonight that a riot is the language of the unheard. We've heard that lately. A riot is the language of the unheard. And what is it America has failed to hear? Now, there's a portion left out of here. Uh, skip to the, in that middle portion he said, he talked about the regression of uh, financial ability for the poor Negro. That's what he said. Okay. But it goes on to say here, it has failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. 1967. <laughs> 2020 still have not been met. And it has failed to hear that large segments of white society are more concerned. Now, he didn't say all. He just said large segments. No, you can't generalize everybody. He just said large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice, equality, and humanity. Humanity. And as long as America postpones justice, someday, we're going to do it, someday we'll get it right, someday. You know, that's what they were saying back then, someday. As long as America postpones justice, we stand in the position of having these recurrences of violence. Now, he said, I'm not behind him. Just telling you this is what's going to happen. Violence and riots over and over again. Look at this last line. Social justice and progress are the absolute guarantors of riot prevention. In other words, you don't, you don't want to riot? Get this thing right. Because if you don't, some point people are going to say, I can't take this anymore. You're only going to beat on me for so long. You're only going to harass me for so long. You're only going to hold me back for so long before I revolt. And you and I might not revolt because we're peaceful and we know how to overcome by the word. Some of y'all looking like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm saying we do. Wait, who am I pastoring now? Wait a minute, let me find out who I'm pastoring. Y'all, hold on now. <laughs> y'all bought it, bought it? Y'all like, Pastor, just get a word. <laughs> Y'all remember Malcolm X? <laughs> that was a smooth boy. He had that black glove on the handset. <laughs> oh, praise God. That was just funny. That was a movie. It was a movie. Praise God. But you want to prevent riots and violence, you got you to move towards justice. And you can't, you can't be political. 
you can't try to appease a base. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. Because justice is justice. Justice is, is supposed to be blind. I'm going to tell you tonight. <laughs> um, you, you, can't, you can't think, well, just because they're Democrat, they're for you. Because we, we've heard how Democrats think lately. The, vice, the, the former vice president who's running for president had the unmitigated gall to say, if you, don't, you can't choose between me and Trump, you ain't black. Well, how, 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 do you, how are you going to tell me I ain't black? You going to tell me I ain't black? Because I can't, I can't choose. Something's wrong with that statement, sir. I don't, I don't owe you a vote because I'm black. I got to look in this word of God. Another guy, uh, a congressman, was caught on, on, uh, on a hot microphone a couple days ago. He thought the microphone was off, and he leans over to another guy and says, says if, if, I, if I didn't have a primary coming up, I wouldn't even care about this mess. He was, he was getting ready to speak at a, at a, at a rally with everything going on. He said, if I, wasn't, if I didn't have a primary, I wouldn't even care. He didn't know his microphone was on. Democrat. And everybody think, well, just because they're Democrats, they're for us. Hey, wait a minute. Y'all are smarter than that, right? It's not about a party. If you read Psalm number 118, verses 5 through about verse 8, you'll see where, where the psalmist David talks about, he says, Lord, you are, you are uh, for me among those who help me. But I might see my desire uh, on those who hate me. In other words, he's realizing his life is two different kinds of people. Either you're a helper or you're a hater. Y'all missed that. That's a good point right there. Either People in your life, they're either a helper or a hater. There's no middle ground. You either, you either here to help me or you hate me. Because if you're not going to help me, you hate me. I'm just going to stay neutral. There is no neutral. Hello, look in the camera. There is no neutral. Either you want to help me or you hate me. You, you can't choose just to be neutral. There's no Switzerland in my life. Either you helping me or you're going to hate me. And if you're not helping me, what you're saying is you hate me. Yeah, that's worth tweeting right there. It means you better start recognizing in your life who people are. Are they helpers or are they haters? That's what it says in Psalm 118. Then it goes down in verse 8, though. You got to make sure you get this. It say, he says it's better not to put your trust in princes or in man. You better put it in God. So don't put your trust in man for your help. Put your trust in God for your help. Don't put your trust in government and if people are, see, this is the difference between you and people who are, who are violently upset is that you're not, you're not waiting on the government to help you. See, that's the difference. Thank you, Lord. Now, lawful people are protesting as we speak against violence and systemic racism towards black people. Did you hear what I said? Systemic, systemic racism towards black, towards black people. 
That's what they're railing against. You know, and sometimes people say, you know, I was telling Deke, you know, somebody who they might look at you and say, well, you doing all right? You doing all right? Well, I'm not everybody. Well, look where you live. Well, I'm not everybody. Look at your family. Your family doing all right? Well, we're not everybody. There's still a systemic problem. What does it mean to be systemic? That means it, it's, it, it's rooted in hatred, and it has its branches in the school system, in government, criminal justice system, in the, in the, in the, uh, in the home uh, real estate, in this real estate system, when we call it redlining, when you can only live in certain neighborhoods, a, a, a mortgage company wouldn't even approve you for a loan if you, were, if you weren't the right color in the right area. Still hitting in this day. To this day. So just because, just because I live in a certain neighborhood doesn't mean everybody knows what I know. I know Joshua 1.5. No man shall be able to stand before me all days of my life. But I can't, I, I got to be like Moses. I can't live in my palace and forget my brother's. Y'all better shout louder than that. I can't be in my palace, riding my chariot, and forget my brothers. You see? It entered Moses' heart. And so you and I have a responsibility to go back and grab people and help them and show them a way. I was telling them in prayer this morning, that's why you and I need to be in charge of large money. You and I are going to have to have companies that we can employ three, four, five hundred, two thousand, five hundred, five, you know, five thousand people. Y'all better say something better than that. Because some people can't get a job because they got a record. They've already served their time. But they're still treated That's the reality that we live in. Well, it's white people too. It's systemic racism. Let's, let's, not, let's, let's, let's stop flossing over this issue. Oh, white people getting killed too by the police. What, I'm, I'm supposed to feel better about that? I'm supposed to feel better that white people get killed by the police? Is that, I'm supposed to say, oh, it's all right then? No. Oh, I, I don't feel any better about that. They shouldn't be killing anybody. They shouldn't be brutalizing anybody. That's why there are white people protesting out there tonight too. Because it's not simply a black issue. In fact, I looked, I looked at video and photos uh, earlier today of, of the protests here in St. Pete. I saw, it was like 90% white people. In the rain. Pouring down rain out here in St. Pete. Why? Because there's a major issue that's going on that we can't act like it doesn't exist. It's real. And we get in our little ivory palaces and get become blind to it like it doesn't exist. 
Thank God you made it. Thank God you overcame it. You know when the children of Israel crossed the Jordan, they had to go, there was tribes that they had already accomplished and, and conquered their land that Joshua said, hey, wait a minute, I know you got your land, but we ain't all got our land yet. And if we have not all overcome, we ain't done overcoming yet. Go back. Come on, help your brothers. He said, tell you what, let's go back, help your brothers over, get their land. Then you'll go back and settle in your little land. The problem is too many people in the body of Christ are settling in their land and leaving other folk out there destitute, hungry, hurting, lost, dying, whipped, beaten, abused, oppressed. Well, that's their little problem. You know, me and mine, we all right. That's selfish. So people are protesting. They're speaking out against police brutality and killings of black people. Killings of people in general, but most black people, the killings are almost always labeled as justifiable. That's the difference. We face broader issues such as racial profiling. <laughs> I, remember, I remember getting pulled over one time, me and uh, my little brother and Deacon Gershom, this was way before I was a pastor, he was a deacon, we were back in the old church. We got pulled over one night, leaving church. Leaving church. Oh, you fit the profile of some uh, robbers we were looking for. Leaving church. You, you followed us, you saw us just leave this church. Talking about we fit the profile. <laughs> you funny. You see? This is a reality. See, and, and as a father of a black boy, I can't just sit here and act like, well, this ain't this one. Well, your son covered by the blood. I don't understand, but they can't see that blood. They see black, and the devil's going to try to come against them. And even if my son is, too many of our sons are not. We can't just have our little conventions and our little meetings. Zoom calls. Yeah, isn't that, that, that's the worst thing, Mom, now is that in, in, a, in, a, in a moment when the church should be the most visible, vocal voice in this whole issue, everybody's zooming. They're scared. What made the civil rights movement in the 40s through the 60s so power, powerful was that it was centralized. Centralized. In the church. In the church. And the church runs the serious risk of becoming totally irrelevant. Oh, do we got power? I know we have power, but if we're not visible with the power, 
What good is it if we're not visible? If it's just within our four walls? It means nothing. Great, we all get healed wonderful. <laughs> we all get charged up wonderful. Wonderful. So there's issues. And I was in the, that press conference today, and, you know, I'm just listening. We're just, we're just there listening and supporting. And, uh, you know, people kept bringing up George Floyd, and, and very valuable. I mean, that's, that's the, the, the linchpin for this whole thing, the powder keg that, that set everything off. But it goes beyond uh, Breonna Taylor. How many of y'all know about Breonna Taylor? In Louisville, Kentucky. She's an EMT. She's, a, she's, a, she's one of them. First responder and killed in her own house, in her own bed. Rest of the boyfriend, because he, he, he shot up officer. Well, of course, y'all broke in his house. You broke in his house, no knock. You broke in his house, what, what are you supposed to do? You remember uh, Stand Your Ground? Remember Stand Your Ground? So, of course, what, is, what are you supposed to do? Say, hey, what y'all want? Y'all come in guns blazing? No, he's going to respond with the with a only thing you would do. Ahmed Aubrey? Just out jogging? Brunswick, Georgia? It's interesting, my, my wife. <laughs> one, one day I came home, I think, was it, I'd been at prayer? I'd been at prayer one, this was, this was, was it January? It was early in the year, very early in the year. No, it's, it's, I know it was a few weeks before Ahmed Aubrey. And I came home from, from the church, and, and well, yeah, before the story broke, before we, anybody in the world knew about it, except the three big guys who were there. And I came home, and uh, my son wasn't there. I was like, hey, where's Jonathan? And he said, oh, he's out riding the bike, riding the bike. Well, I'm looking at my wife there, Olivia, Lydia, riding the bike with who? Oh, he's by himself. Where? I don't see him. Oh, he said he's going all over the neighborhood. She, she yeah, I gave him my cell phone. You, you let my son? Oh, I was 38 hot. I was hot as fish grease. You let my son ride through this neighborhood by himself? He's 13. How old is Amal Aubrey? 20, 20, 25? Young and black and big. Look like he can do something. You let him ride through this neighborhood by himself? But you live in a beautiful neighborhood. I know that. You know that. You know we live there. Right. 
But see, I know this vigilante mindset. That's how Ahmaud Arbery died, a vigilante mindset. That's how Trayvon Martin died in 2012. A vigilante mindset. We're going to protect ours. And all it took was somebody to say, oh, he looked like uh, somebody who we saw come to the neighborhood and our cars got broken into. And I, I got him on the phone, get your tail to this house right now. Don't you ever leave out here without me. And it was just a few weeks later. Here comes a story about a man named Aubrey. Now you may say, well, that's over, boy. You're being paranoid. You know how they got them signs in the yard? Not my son. You see, because as, 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 as progressive and as, as saved as I am, I'm not naive as to the darkened condition of men's hearts. That there's still a, a hatred that is real in this earth towards people who look like me. I'm privileged to have people who are, who are not black, who love me. They're the exception, not the rule. I understand they're not the rule. That's not the commonplace. In our own neighborhood right now, we, and my wife will tell you, we've been there now seven years and now uh, three months. And in seven years, three months, we are now one of the, if probably the top 10% oldest people in the neighborhood. In other words, once we got there, everybody started moving. <laughs> Y'all think I'm joking. Once we got there, neighborhood, everything's so. Now, all kind of reasons, I don't know why. Could, could people couldn't, couldn't pay the property taxes, I don't know why, but everybody start moving. The neighborhood has just turned over big time. Twice now. Yeah, I know. I know the whole, the whole thing's changing. See, so the people in the, na- the new ones don't know we've been there longer than them. So when they come walking by our street, and we, we, make, we have fun with it. People come walking, everybody go walk with their little dog, walk with their little cat in the stroller kind of street. And we like, hey, and they go. I'm telling the truth on it. We'll be driving by people, the little walkers, little joggers, coming right past us, past our face. We'll honk, hey. Now, the good thing about me is I ain't inferior to nobody. My wife ain't inferior to nobody, and my kids ain't inferior to nobody. So you ain't even to make us feel bad. You got the problem, not me. You mad because I'm here. I'm mad then you here. Because you're bringing your hatred to my neighborhood. See, so I'm not, I'm not oblivious to real 
hatred to systemic racism that exists in these good old U.S. of A. Then there's George Floyd. There's George Floyd. Put up with the picture of George Floyd. I would have, I would have played the video for you, but I couldn't take it. I would have played the video for you, but it would be too much. And I've, he's certainly not the first one, he's just the latest in a long list. And you can bring up Freddie Gray and you can bring up Trayvon Martin, you can, you can bring up um, uh, Philando Castile and I mean we can, we can keep going down the list of people in America. Most of them we didn't have video footage or photos of. So it didn't have the effect. People were angry, but it didn't have the effect of watching a man die. Looking at him die. Hearing him pleading for his life. I dare every evangelical to just watch the video. I dare you to have your wife, who's the mother of your kids, or have your mother watch the video and hear him cry out for his mama, who's dead. To cry out for his mama, who's been dead two years. To watch a grown man cry and call his mama, who he knows been dead two years. And if you don't have a heart, open to see that. You're not a helper, you're a hater. And here's the problem. Here's the problem for me. The problem for me was that the photo, the imagery of the photo is symbolic. Because as a black man, what I see is a picture of a system on the neck of my people. Maybe in the wonder world of whiteness, you can't see it. But if you have lived as a black person in America, that picture summarizes your life. If you've not known faith, the blessing, the covenant, the blood, the name of Jesus, the favor of God, if you've not known, and for us, until we learned those things, this was the picture, not only of what our lives had been, but what we perceived our lives would be from here on out. 
It was our past, our present, and our future in one photo. So while people are upset about videos of protests, upset about videos of fires and videos of looting, they'll watch hours of that. Stop for eight minutes and 46 seconds and watch this video. Listen to a man call for his mama. Listen to a man say, I can't breathe. Listen to a man beg for his life. Listen to others who are standing by begging and watch the inhumanity of the officer who's inflicting the punishment and the other three officers who stood by as accomplices. And so, just like when Moses saw an Egyptian on the neck of a Hebrew, he responded with violence. Don't be shocked when Americans who feel the same anger respond with violence. Are you condoning it? No, but I understand. Are you supporting it? No, but I understand. Well, why can't you be like Martin Luther King when they marched down violently? Because they weren't protesting violence. They were protesting for rights. Protesting for the right to sit on where they wanted on the bus. That's not violent. Protesting so they can sit in the, in, the, in the dining hall at the counter. That's why they stayed sit-ins. Non-violent. Because we, we just want to be able to sit at the counter. We just want to be able to stay at a hotel. We just want to be able to have uh, uh, a water fountain just like your, your water fountain. We just, we just want our kids to be able to go to the same quality and kind of schools that your kids go to. We just want bathrooms inside. Not we got to walk all the way down the street to get bathrooms. We just want to, we just want to have the same rights. We just all we want. They weren't protesting violence. But their protests pulled out violence out of their haters. Their nonviolent protests stirred up violence in their haters. So you had dogs, water hoses, fire bombings on churches, people being drugged out of their homes, down the streets, in prison. That's what you had. But Moses, when he saw violence, he responded violently. <laughs> so don't be shocked when people respond violently. And as Martin Luther King said, as long as you keep postponing justice, it'll continue to happen over and over and over and over again. 
So if, if I hate what I see, I'm talking to the onlookers, if I hate what I see, then I'd call my senator. I'd write my congressman. I'd talk to my president, all y'all who are on the presidential advisory board, all y'all preachers who are on the presidential advisory board and won't say anything because you're afraid of losing your position with him. I'd, I'd talk to him and say, sir, we've got to fix this. Not with a speech. But with real change in the system that does not degrade people by their color or by what nations they come from. I don't want to hear about nobody being a Christian if you're not going to show love to everybody. Are you mad, Pastor? Yeah. I am. I am. I can't take it anymore. I've got to raise my son and my daughters in this. I've got to shield them every day in this. So, as I said to you earlier, if you don't know how to overcome the world system, you'll be crushed. Put that picture back up on the screen. You'll be crushed until you die. That's the picture that we see. That's what, that's what Planned Parenthood is all about. All our democratic brothers and sisters, that's what Planned Parenthood is all about. I mean, I hate the fact that we've seen three unlawful deaths in the last three months, but Planned Parenthood has killed millions of little black babies since what, 1963? 40 million plus little black babies have died? Why? All to crush a people. And it's not just happening in America, it's happening all over the world. In Africa, people are being crushed. And the worst part about it is there are many of them are being crushed by people who look like them. Because the bottom line is love of money is the root of all evil. So I don't feel any better about it somebody being crushed by a black person than I do about them being crushed by a white person. I hate it all. I'm angry about all of it. Thank you, Lord. So you and I have to know how to overcome this system. Because here's the truth. Because it's a system and a system based on covetousness then that could as easily be a white person or a Hispanic person or a Chinese person under the knee. Because when it comes to covetousness and the love of money, people don't care who they crush. Right. 
<laughs> so we must understand the kingdom, the covenant, the blessing, favor, exceeding grace, and faith. Remember 1 John 5, verse 4? Put them on the screen for us, please. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith, even our faith. So faith is how we overcome the world. So yes, there is systemic racism, but your faith can allow you to rise above that. Put up Acts 10, verse 34 and 35, please. Acts 10, verse 34 and 35 for everybody. Watch this. Because racism does exist, but not with God. Aren't you glad God's not a racist? <laughs> Aren't you glad God's not prejudiced? Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ made it so that whosoever will let him come? So these things exist, but you and I don't have to be bound by any of this stuff. Acts 10, verse 34 and 35 says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God is not racist. He's not prejudiced. God shows no partiality. Isn't that good to know? But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Go to Romans 10. Go to Romans 10. Glory to God. Romans 10, verse 11 through 13. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm angry, but I'm not going to sin. I'm going I'm to stay in love. Hallelujah. And if I, I pray God, if I've, if I've spoken or acted out of love tonight, he corrects me. He knows how to do that, and I'm open to, God, to God's correction. <laughs> Glory to God. Acts, uh, Romans 10, verse, uh, verse 11. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Isn't that good? For there is, in the eyes of God now, no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever. Any, any whoever's in here? Somebody shout, I'm a, I'm a whoever. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Sozo. Sozo. Saved, delivered, preserved, prospered, healed. Glory to God. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> if you're black, or white, red, yellow, Brown, God will take care of you. He will prosper you. And if he's doing it, it won't matter what system you're under. It won't matter who tries to put their knee on your neck. Are y'all hearing what I'm telling you tonight? There's not a knee big enough. There's not a system big enough to stop you if you walk in the favor and the goodness of God. When God puts his hand on your life, there's nobody that can stand in your way. And the good thing about us is we know that. 
They don't. They don't. They don't. Go back to Genesis 27 real quick. Genesis 27. Let me finish this out. Give me Genesis 27. I'm going to kind of read through this media pretty fast. Uh, I want to end the message translation, please. Genesis 27. I'm going to start at verse 30. Genesis 27, verse 30 through 40. Hallelujah. In the, in the message, please. You got it? All right. 30 through 40 is going to take us. All right. It says, and then right after uh, Isaac had blessed Jacob, remember I told you that uh, Jacob stole the blessing. Okay. Right after Isaac had blessed Jacob uh, and Jacob had left, Esau, keep, keep going, got to keep going, please. Esau showed up from the hunt. He also had prepared a hearty meal. He came to his father and said, let my father get up and eat of his son's game that he may give me his personal blessing. His father, Isaac, said, and who are you? Remember, he'd been tricked. He said, who are you? He said, I am your son, your firstborn. Firstborn, which means I have a right to this blessing. Go back. Firstborn Esau. It says Isaac started to tremble, shaking. Isaac's like, oh, Lord, you're Esau? I thought I was just talking to Esau. So he started, he started to tremble, shaking violently. He said, then who hunted game and brought it to me? I finished the meal just now before you walked in and I blessed him. Jacob, that's the planner. He's blessed for good. I can't take it back. Now watch this. Esau, hearing his father's words, sobbed violently and most bitterly and cried to his father, my father, can't you also bless me? Well, no, see, the blessing has been given to Jacob, stolen from, by Jacob. His mother was a conspirator in the whole incident. Right? Don't you, can I get a, can't you bless me also? All right, move on, please. Your brother, he said, came here falsely and took your blessing. Esau said, not for nothing was he named Jacob the heel. Heel grabber. Remember the name Jacob named me? Heel grabber or supplanter or trickster. In other words, he got the right name. Mama showed name and right, trickster. Tricky Jake. <laughs> Twice now, he's tricked me. First, he took my birthright. Now, that wasn't really a trick. He gave it up himself. He, he, let, he let his belly get in the way of that. He was hungry, so that, he lied about that part. But that's how he felt. He got me. And now he's taken my blessing. All right, now let's go to the end of it. He begged, haven't you kept back any blessing for me? Any? Can't you, can't, you, can't you speak anything over my life? Isaac answered Esau, I made him your master. And all his brothers, his servants. You're his brother, you're going to be his servant. Now, it would have been that you would have been his master, but now he's your master. You're going to serve him. And I've lavished, by this blessing, grain and wine on him. Y'all see the power of speaking a blessing? He said, I've lavished grain and wine on him. 
I made him rich by a blessing. Now, he ain't manifested anything yet, but he knows the power of this blessing. You better know the power of this blessing. I said, you better know the power of this blessing and staying connected properly to the blessing. He says, I've given it all away. What's left for you, my son? But now, this is Esau talking back. But don't you have just one blessing for me, father? Oh, bless me, my father. Bless me. Esau sobbed inconsolably. All right, keep going here. Isaac said to him, here's, here's what he's going to come up with. You'll live far from earth's bounty. In other words, it's going to be rough for you. Far from the bounty. Remote from heaven's dew. Desert dwelling. It's going to be rough. You'll live by your sword. In other words, violent lifestyle. Are y'all seeing the correlation? Rough, rough on people. Violent lifestyles. It's hard. Struggling people. Having to serve somebody else. Hand to mouth. You know what hand to mouth means is, right? That means you barely making it. You don't have, you paycheck to paycheck. Paycheck to paycheck. Why they so broke is, 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 is what's been pronounced on them. Someone, someone stole what was his. And you'll serve your brother. But when you can't take it anymore. Now he's saying you're going to serve him. But the change is going to happen when you decide you can't take it anymore. I've had enough. He said, and when that happens, you'll break loose and run free. <laughs> now, switch back to the New King James for me, please. New King James. And I want to go back to verse 40, New King James. I'm going to go through a couple of verses of that, but start at verse 40 here in the New King James, uh, Genesis 27. So we see Jacob has stolen a blessing from his brother Esau. Okay? Let me hurry up here. All right. Verse 40, we got it? Oh, I got it in my Bible. My Bible's open here. So he says here in New King James, by your sword you shall live and you shall serve your brother and it shall come to pass when you become restless then that you shall break his, no, his yoke from your neck. Now, what happened? Esau got upset. Something was stolen from me. There was something that belonged to me that was stolen from me. I'm already tired of it. I'm already mad about it. So verse 41 tells us, Shante, how he felt and what he planned. Verse 41, so Esau hated Jacob. How come all this hate? He'd been stolen from. He'd been defrauded. Why he hate? So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. In other words, my dad going to be dying soon. Soon as daddy closed his eyes. I'm going to drop him. You better, you better. And obviously he wasn't too quiet about it because other folks found out what the plan was. Rebecca, the mom, said, hey, Jacob, listen. Hey, you got you to go, bro, because your brother is going to kill you. 
and you ain't never been much of a fighter. Remember Esau and Jacob? Esau was a hunter. Jacob was mama's boy. Right? Son, you got to get out of here because your brother going to kill you. and You can't fight a lick. <laughs> now, put verse 40 back on the screen for me, please. I just want to show you something. Verse 40, he said, when you become restless, when you become restless, that word, um, in King James, you have King James, it'll say, when you shall have dominion. It's interesting how King James says it. When you shall have dominion. New King James used the word restless. Now, that, the, the Hebrew word for that is the word uh, rude, R-U-W-D, which means to ramble free. Ramble means to go move about freely. It means to have dominion, be Lord, or rule. Now, watch what what Isaac is telling Jacob, or telling Esau, Esau, your brother's gonna, he gonna have his, his knee on your neck. He said, but when something rises up in you, and you understand dominion, when you understand lordship, when you understand rulership, you're gonna get restless. Something's gonna rise up inside you that you're going to say, I can't take this anymore? And he says, and that's when you're going to break his yoke off your neck. In other words, he's not going to voluntarily take his yoke off your neck. Y'all better listen to me, everybody online. So if you and I are sitting here waiting on the right president to get in office, I have news for you. For eight years, we had black faces in high places. January 2009 to January 2017, we had a black president, a black attorney general, and a black um, uh, homeland security uh, director. And it still didn't make a change in this. So if you're waiting on the right person in the right office somewhere to get a foot or a knee off your neck, you're going to die with a knee on your neck. He says the change has to happen inside you. When you decide, when you see yourself differently, oh, my brothers and sisters, if you can hear me out there on the streets, when you start to see yourself differently, when you stop seeing yourself as a thug, when you stop seeing yourself as a as a bee and a hoe, and when you stop seeing yourself as that, when you stop seeing yourself as less than, don't, oh my God, we're mad about how they see us, but how do you see yourself? Because when you fix how you see yourself, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. When you get a dominion image in yourself, when you begin to see yourself in Christ, 
When I begin to meditate on Romans chapter 5, verse 17, when it told me that if I have received an abundance of grace and a gift of righteousness, I reign in life as a king. When I saw I'm a king, I said, wait, I'm a king? The Bible called me a king? I had always seen myself as just a black man. But when I found out I wasn't just a black man, but I was a king? Let me change, let me straighten some things out now here. I'm not, I'm not going to wait on somebody to give me a handout. I'm not going to wait on somebody to take care of me. Wait a minute. I serve the true and living God. My father is rich in houses and land. I have the, my father owns the whole earth. I can't wait on somebody to take care of me. Because nobody's going to voluntarily take their need off your neck. You can get them to stand in front of you in some press conference. You can get them to stand in front of you on some television and tell you some big old gigantic lie. Big old gigantic lie. Just to get your vote. Yes, but my help <laughs> comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. My help is not in man. My help is not in Egypt. My help is not in princes. My help comes from the Lord. He said, son, when you see yourself in dominion, when you see lordship, I had, some, I had somebody ask me the other night if, if I ever saw myself being a landlord. I said, yeah. That's what's up being a landlord. Ain't gonna be renting my whole life. I'm gonna be an owner and landlord. I'm gonna have, I, I can't live in a hundred houses. I'm, I'm gonna be a landlord for sure. For sure. For sure. I see lordship in me. I know who I am. That's why even in the neighborhood I live in, and nobody in the neighborhood looks like me, I'm not inferior to anybody. I don't let anybody look down at me and make me feel some kind of way because I'm a black man in your neighborhood. You in my neighborhood. You in my neighborhood. You understand that? Now, I'm not trying to say that to be arrogant. I'm trying to say that, that on the inside, God awakens something in me of how valuable I am. You got to know how valuable you are. How valuable are you? Jesus Christ shed his own blood for you. You don't know how valuable you are? And we got to know that. When you become restless, when you're ready to ramble free, when you're ready to move about, when you when you you had enough of being trapped in one little area, I can't go downtown. What do you mean you can't go downtown? I can't go across 34th. What do you mean you can't go across 34th? What do you mean you can't go out north? What you, what you talking about? When you ready to ramble free? You can't tell me where I can't go, where I can't stay, what I can't do. I remember one. My, I think the last time, the last time I flew first class, I got got up there in the little first class area, and this guy, I don't ain't gonna call what color he was, but you can guess. He looked. He looking at me. He saw me sitting first class by him. And he looked, 
He changed seats. I'm like, I, th I thought that we paid for certain seats. He got him, he was, cause I, my seat was next to his. He got him changed seats. I said, good, now I got two. I'll pay for mine just like you pay for yours. One of these things does not belong here. Obviously, it's you because you got to be moved. You might as well get used to me. Somebody will holler. You might as well get used to me. No, God has put us here in dominion. And you know, and it's not just for a select few. He said he's not partial. He'll take anybody. It don't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter your, whether you're male or female. It doesn't matter who you are. If you come to him, he'll make everybody live in the same kind of authority. What's the problem? People outside, they're frustrated because they don't know how to break the man's yoke off their neck. Now, notice what it says here. When you become restless... You shall break his yoke from your neck. That word break is from the Hebrew word parak, P-A-R-A-Q, which means to tear off from oneself, to break away, to liberate. He says, when you become restless, you shall liberate yourself. The system ain't going to liberate you. The system is benefiting off you. Well, to me, the black folk in prison. Well, it's, it's, that's, it's, that's true. The system is benefiting off that. They're not going to change laws just because you, you want them to. There's, there's a benefit to that. And they're making a lot more than license plates. A lot more than license plates, ladies and gentlemen. So there's a benefit. So the system isn't just going, all right, we're going to let you go now. When God called Moses, said, Moses, go down to Pharaoh, tell him, I said, let my people go. God said, Moses, and I'm sure he's not going to let you go. Y'all missed that. God said, go on there, tell him to let my people go. And he said, by the way, I'm sure because the system will never just let you go. You got to have a deliverer. God had to put it on him. God had to put it on Pharaoh. Ten plagues, put it on him. Put it on him. Make him let my people go. I'm going to snatch my people up out of Egypt. He ain't going to let them go. I'm going to snatch them out. I'm going to make it so hard for him on the system. Thank you, Holy Ghost. That's why everything's been shaken up right now. The systems are being shaken right now because God, his hand is involved in setting not only black people, but all people 
free from the oppression of a system. A world, an evil world system. Because it's not just America. It's not just America. And truth be told, as bad as it is here, it's still the best nation on this planet. He said, when you have had enough, when you become restless, when you get the right image on the inside of you, he said, you're going to break his yoke. It means, again, to tear off from oneself, to break away, to liberate. Now, that word break, I didn't write this down and give it to the media, but if you study that word break out, study out the word break, it, it talks about in a softer form of the word, it means to break the knee. You look it up when you get home. You go in your little, your little um, blue letter Bible, your little Hebrew study, and you look in the, in, the, in the part where it goes into depth on that word, parak, it'll tell you it little, in, in its softer form, it means to break the knee. So when you get tired, you're going to break the knee. I'm done. <laughs> so people outside, they're frustrated because they don't know how to break the man's yoke off their necks. So they are crying out right now. They're chanting, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And they're talking about more than, than just the deathly position that George Floyd was in. They're talking about under a, an oppressive system. I can't breathe. But the system won't let up on people any more than Derek Chauvin let up of George Floyd. He wouldn't do it. Even after hearing that a man couldn't breathe, even after hearing a report from another person that he had no pulse. No pulse means you are dead. After that point, he still remained on his knee, on his neck for nearly three minutes. After hearing that, George Floyd had no pulse. That's demonic. It's inhumane. But it's indicative of a system. Thank you, Lord. So you and I must demonstrate then the kingdom. Not just know it for ourselves, but demonstrate it. We must demonstrate the covenant, the blessing, favor, grace, faith. Demonstrate the power of the anointing. You know you're anointed? I say, you know you're anointed? You have the ability to go around and liberate other people? 
you have the burden removing, yoke destroying, anointing the power of God working in your life? In Isaiah 10, 27, that's what it says the anointing it'll do. It says the burden shall be removed and the yoke shall be, be destroyed because of the anointing. New King James says the anointing oil over in Isaiah 10, 27. Now, let's, let's wrap it up here. <laughs> Get off my soapbox. tonight because I have a lot more to say. We don't know what Esau did when he heard his dad say this. We don't know his immediate uh, move. We know he was angry with his brother. We know he wanted to kill him, but he didn't right away. You know, his brother took off. But what we do know was that several years later, at the least 21 years later, because Jacob went down and to Laban's house, fell in love with Rachel, wanted to marry her, agreed to work seven years to have her as his wife, put in time for that girl. And, oh, yeah, she was a bad girl. He cried. Saw that girl. And put in seven years for her and was tricked himself. The trickster got tricked. <laughs> the con got conned. And he ended up getting Leah on, at the first wedding. So his dad said, well, you, you really want Rachel? Yes, sir, I really want Rachel. Seven more years. That must have been a bad girl. He said, I worked seven more years for her. And he did. By this time now, 14 years. At 14 years, Laban says, hey, man, uh, you can't take, you, take her yet. I need some more years out of you work before you can take her. He ended up working seven more years. Eris, 21 years for this one lady. Now, that's some devotion. She must have been pow-pow. 21 years? That's love. And the Bible says that after the 21 years, now Jacob's going to go and he tells Laban, I need to go and have my own family now by myself. And Laban reluctantly agrees to let him leave. And God had told him, it's time for you to go back to Bethel where you made that vow. It's time for you to go back and pay your vow. And so, all right, I'm going back and I'm going to pay that vow. And, but before he gets back there, he remembers, wait a minute. Oh, I forgot this other little issue about my brother. My brother wants to kill me. 21 years plus years later, he remembers, wait a minute, oh man, I got this other little issue. My brother wants to kill me. So he devised a plan, I'm going to send, I'm going to split my massive family up into two groups. You know, he's got 12 sons and a daughter and four wives. Well, Rachel dies on the way. So he's got these, these well, Rachel, she's alive at that point. So four, four wives, right? 
And she's got a big family. So this up in two groups. going to send, he sends Leah ahead with the first group. He does. He said, in case, in case, in case uh, Esau comes up and he's mad, he kill him. That's all right. I still have Rachel. I work, I work 21 years. I put in too much time for Rachel. I can't just lose her. So he sends his group ahead. And long story short, it works out that the groups, they meet Esau. Nothing happens. The second group, they all show up. Now they're, they're together. And Esau runs to Jacob and hugs him and kisses him, my brother. And now Jacob has in his mind, watch this, he's going to pay reparations. Because Jacob knows he owes his brother. I stole your blessing, so I owe you. There's only one thing in Jacob's mind, there's only one thing that's going to quench your anger is reparations, it's restitution. So Jacob offers his restitutionary gift to Esau. But remember what Isaac had told Esau. When you become restless, when you have this dominion image, you're going to break your brother's yoke off your neck. So in those 21 years, Esau had gotten something on the inside of him that I'm not waiting on a reparation. I'm not waiting on restitution. I'm not waiting on 40 acres and a mule from nobody. I'm not waiting on the government to give me a handout. So that when, East, when, I, when Jacob offered the reparation gift, Esau said, bro, I'm good. You keep it. Because <laughs> something already happened on the inside of him. We don't talk much about Esau's story, but something must have happened on the inside of Esau that he developed a dominion image and he understood, okay, I can make it now on my own. I'm not going to wait on my brother to take things, uh, to make things right with me. So he rose up on his own. So Jacob, you keep your little stuff. I have plenty. You read in various translations, you tell him, I got plenty. I'm good on my own. Jacob's feeling so guilty. He forced him to take it. He urged him, come on, please take it. Till, till, till Esau had to just, okay, all right, okay, just give it to me. I'll take it. Just, just if it's going to shut you up. See, when you get the right image inside of you, you won't spend any time waiting on somebody to do something for you. Waiting on anybody to just make things right. Well, they owe us. They might. They do. Yeah, they do. They do owe us. 400 years of slavery. Built the whole country. Yeah, they owe us. But if you wait on that check. Then they don't even have it. So, you understand that? You understand what I'm saying to you? They, yeah, sure. 
We're old. We're old. We're old. But I'm not waiting on that. I found out there's a blessing. There's a covenant. There's an inheritance that I'm already made a, a partaker of that's much more valuable than 40 acres and a mule. I can't take it anymore. So I'm going to look to God. I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to work his principles. I'm going to work his system. And as I come up and as I progress, I'm going to reach back. Don't forget that part. Now, don't forget that part, y'all. I'm going to reach back and bring somebody else with me. As God prospers me, I'm going to make sure I'm always ready to bless somebody else. who They don't know what you know. If we can relieve somebody else and help them, we can make this world, this nation, our city a much better place. Amen. Did y'all receive that tonight? Will you give our Father God a great big hand of praise tonight? Let him know you appreciate the word. Glory to God. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Don't, please. I'm speaking to myself just like I'm speaking to you. Don't allow the times to pull you out of the things of God. Okay? I know there's real things. I know it. I know it. Just as black as anybody in here. Don't let these things pull you out of your love of your um, genuineness. Continue to be genuine, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Be genuine. People, I'd encourage you as often as you can. Now, you gotta be very careful because people may not let you because we also got this other thing out there called coronavirus. But as much as you can, listen to me, listen to me. As much as you can, give people a hug. I'm serious. I'm, I'm really serious. Because people of all races need a hug. Because what's so funny is we've all been now this can't touch for the last eight, nine weeks. which is a, a, a depletion of human affection. Wow. We need, man, we need to hug, man. Yeah.
If, 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 I'm serious, wherever you go, you know, people might be able to stand off as a little, you know, but if they'll, if they'll let you, just, just hug them. Love will cover a multitude of faults. Right. And I have news for you. Mm-hmm. You have faults. Yes. Say, neighbor, you have faults. You have faults. You're, you're not perfect. You're not perfect. <laughs> so it's, it's real easy to look at the uh, speck in other people's eyes. And Mr. Beam, the plank that's in our own eyes. So we can deal with racism. We got we to gotta deal with our own racism and our own prejudices. Even amongst ourselves. Even amongst ourselves. Even amongst ourselves. When we talk about people having those real hard conversations, some of it got to happen just within. Okay? Love, love is so valuable, so important. And if there's something we need right now, mm-hmm. some of the most moving scenes that we see even during all the protests have been when police officers and sheriffs have stopped and said, you know what, we're going to hug you. And we're going to kneel down with you. We're going to watch them pray together. Right. Change the whole, change the whole atmosphere. Walk with them. See, because love, love is why you and I are here. God so loved us. So we walk in and demonstrate that kind of love everywhere we go. Um, you may not be able to, to change the whole world, but you can change the world around you. You got it. Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. Um, let's close. We're gonna be back Sunday. For our uh, that's what first Sunday. Sunday's first Sunday of June. Amen. Yeah. Looking forward to communion time. Time that the body of Christ we love each other and share that meal together. Amen. So we look forward to a great time. Uh, I see Sister Liz here tonight, and we heard the testimony of how uh, you were able to feed a lot of people and ministries were blessed. Yes, I know yeah. last week, so. Liz, as often as we can, we're going, we can get that food in. We're going to take care of y'all and the companies that the people that you take care of, okay? Thank you for what you do. Amen. I I told y'all Sunday, some people are goers, some people are sowers. Some people are tenders, some people are senders. And you may not, you may have to work and may not be able to go out there and do it, but you can help fund it. That's right. So um, we're just going to keep demonstrating the love of God. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you so much tonight for your love. Thank you. Your great love wherewith you loved us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You loved us when we were unlovable. We weren't even likable, but you loved us so much, and we thank you for that. Tonight, we ask that, God, that you teach us even more by the Spirit of God how to imitate you, walk in love as dear children, God, we don't want to let any strife um, permeate our hearts. We don't want to let anger control us. So we, we let 
peace yes. through in our hearts. We let joy fill our souls back up. We thank you for your joy thank you, in our souls tonight. Yeah, thank you, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That thank joy you, Lord. That, that will refresh our flesh. Thank you for your word said the joy of the Lord is our strength. Yes, we receive strength now. So thank you for that great joy. Tonight, we pray, Lord, that you'd uh, open our eyes to, Lord, to the plight of others. Yes. That all over this nation, all over this world, everyone's eyes will be open to the plight of the people around them. That we'll not be so staunch in our thinking, in our way of thinking that we don't see what's happening in other yeah. people's lives. God, we ask that, God, you help us to uh, your words in all of our getting, get understanding. So help us to understand other people. Before we judge or criticize, we want to understand other people. So we pray that you open the uh, place for dialogue, conversations that we can have so that we can begin to dwell with each other with understanding. And I pray, Father, that that vile spirit of racism Hot glory will be driven off our shores. Yeah, in the name of Jesus. Amen. We don't want it to be anywhere on this planet. That's right. But God, you've made all mankind from one blood. And I pray that you help us to live out 2 Corinthians 5.16 that we'll no longer regard any man after the flesh that will see people as human beings. Your, you said in your word, all souls are yours. Help us to see people properly. Yes, Lord. And Jesus. treat people properly. And we know that, God, we're not responsible for how anybody treats us. Yes. But we are responsible mm -hmm. for how we treat others. Exactly. We take that to heart tonight. We take it to heart. So forgive us when we've wronged anybody. God, help us. Give, us. give us even the ability to make amends, to make things right, and move forward in your will and your way in this God. earth. Now I speak and declare the blessing of the Lord oh, on everyone here, those at home, that God, that we would live out the fullness of the blessing that will prosper and increase, will be healed healthy and whole, and that God, our lights would so shine before men, they would glorify, that they would see our good works and glorify you, our Father in yes, heaven. Father we thank you, thank you that we shall be the light in this dark world and bring people to Jesus Christ all the days of our lives. We shall give you all the praise, Hallelujah. all the glory, and all the honor for these things we do pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Man, we love y'all so much. Y'all have a great night, a great weekend. We'll see you on this coming Sunday. God bless yeah. you.